welcome to Roll With Adventure, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast that transports you through the magic of imagination from our world to the far-off world of Eberests, a land full of heroes and villains, the evil and the divine, monsters and miracles, and, of course, magic. We are delighted to bring you this adventure from our imagination to your ears. If you like what you hear, please subscribe for further episodes and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us in this podcast, please visit us at RollWithAdventure.com. And now, let's listen as our heroes roll with adventure. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Roll With Adventure's campaign of Shadows and Bliss. My name is Cass, and I'm the Dungeon Master for this ragtag band of heroes. Today, our journey into this tale of adventure, intrigue, secrets, and magic across the world of Ibris continues. This episode begins shortly after midnight on Murgistam, the 4th of Lyonnais, in the year 1083 PR, in the small town of Barrowman's where our heroes discovered that despite the townsfolk transforming into physically monstrous beings after nightfall, by bringing light to them, they revert to their normal state, unaffected by the fog that clouds their mind during the day. Now, before we dive right in, let's meet our band of heroes. To decide the order of introduction, let's roll player initiative, not character. And remember here, we roll with adventure. So... How dexterous or not have each of you been this past week? Okay, I'm feeling pretty dexterous because after a week, two weeks, what feels like a very long time of attempting to crochet a hexagon. I should say, I don't crochet, and so I'm learning to crochet. But I finally did it, and I feel like my fingers are now very nimble and like I got a handle on it. So I'm going to take a plus one. I was making fried chicken and chips for dinner tonight, and I had my tongs, I was flipping my chicken, it was all good, but then my hand slipped, and tongs decided to spring open in, while they were still in the hot oil, uh, so I splashed hot oil all over my arms, oh. and it hurt, so Are you okay? I'm taking, yeah, I just have a lot of little red bumpies now, but it blends in very well with my sunburn, oh. so oh. I'm just very... Today, so I'm going to take a uh, a negative two. Uh, nothing nearly quite as dramatic, um, but I'm I'm going to also be taking a negative. Um, I'm currently missing a slipper because I went to uh, put it on last night and said ended up booting it across the room and it's gone. I I can't I'm looking all day and I can't find it. <laughs> so I'm going to take a negative one personally. Uh, I played chess for the first time in a very long time and I beat a person at chess. Um, wow. So I'm going to take a plus one for mental agility. Let's see what you roll. Ooh, Twelve. Three. Eighteen. Fifteen. Well, in that case, uh, my name is Brian. I am at MindOverBrian on Twitch and on Twitter. Please don't challenge me to chess games. I will lose almost every one of them, I'm sure. Um, I am playing Million Bearbone, a changeling barbarian who ordinarily would look like a red-headed half-elf with a scar across his face that makes his ear uh, in since um i think i'm still guys as the night that we ran into Jid, although i'm no ears because i am trying to sleep and the, all the noise was getting real annoying uh oh right i was supposed to say and guess what i have a fun 
fact about Melian, and it is that before he became a changeling, he was a shifter. So he used to be able to um, take on an aspect of an animal. Uh, but as I mentioned, I think last episode, um, when they, he and his twin brother were supposed to develop their abilities, they were both supposed to develop the ability to be to uh, essentially to take on the aspects of like uh like uh, like wise animals i guess is sort of how that so like lions and panthers and that kind of thing and instead melian was able to take on the aspect of a bear which was the lowest rung of the totem pole in the shifter society so that was why he was uh, exiled for lack of a better term by his by his mother to avoid embarrassing the family my name is david and I play uh, Jovan Savvy J. Cooperson, a human rogue. Uh, he's currently got a well-tended vest uh, with all too many pockets on the inside um, and would normally be attended to by uh, a pair of hounds, which uh, he's left abandoned at a stranger's farm for several days now. Um, fun fact for the day, uh, Jovan has a, not, not a phobia, but a slight fear of fish. Um, one of the monks at the abbey that he raised out tried to get him to go fishing for the first time. Um, and it went, oh, it just went terribly. Like, absolutely horribly. And uh, he just gets incredibly nervous around them anymore. He doesn't like handling them. If they're alive, no. Can't deal with them. Hi, my name's Allie, and I'm playing Cory Anaklathi Bostukbase, a Goliath paladin. An interesting fact about Quarry is that during their travels... They visited the city of Surindar, where they met Estrella Bocamp, a healer who was studying the effects of the flare, and she worked with a team of seven other scientists, five of whom had been kidnapped. Quarry prevented Estrella from being kidnapped, and for her safety, she decided to go and live with some relatives deeper inland, interestingly at an abbey near a small town called Barrowman's. Also interestingly and related, her team originally had eight scientists, not seven. The eighth scientist's name was Martin Andliston, and turns out that uh, he was accused of necromancy and Estrella thought that perhaps he had turned to necromancy to help uh, kidnap the members of her team and force them to work for him. I wonder if these two characters will show up in the story anytime soon. Hi, I'm Sasha, and I play Faileth, the half-elven bard who was raised by and can speak to ghosts. Fun fact about Faileth today, Faileth does not know the difference between raspberries and arsenic. That's it, that's the whole fact. I, I'm going to need more information here. What do you mean? Doesn't one of them look like well, raspberries and the other one looks like apple seeds? Yep. One time, she was given something she was told was raspberries, but it was arsenic. Because they were trying to kill her. Because she's a necromancer. Kind of. A little bit. But not really. Uh, so now she thinks that raspberries are arsenic. They make you real sick and does not like them. I just want to say that's really sad that somebody fed a kid arsenic because they were like, I don't like you. I don't I think what you're doing is wrong. She's a horrible, evil necromancer. <sighs> Everyone wants to kill her. I mean, to be fair, if the horrible, evil necromancer is a child you can convince uh, that literal <laughs> arsenic is raspberries, they really aren't enough of a threat to be 
like be worth in the arsenic. Well, <laughs> I mean, you'd think, point. and yet here we are. <laughs> the number of people who have tried to kill Faleth. At least these guys were semi-successful. <laughs> Usually, she escapes them as they try to, you know, burn her alive or string her up or whatever it is they plan to do. Because she's clever and quick, and mostly they are not. Now that everyone has introduced themselves, let's get this adventure rolling. And remember, here we roll with adventure. Our session begins with our four heroes split into two groups by geographic location. Previously, three with Faleth's child army wanderings. Now, Melian and Faleth are situated at the group's lodging behind the stately elf. Alongside the children, Faleth has gathered into her makeshift army. And Kwari and Jovan have ventured out into the dark of night for answers. We're going to begin where Melian and Faleth are. To set the scene, Melian, you lay sleeping in your cot. You, you removed your ears, so mm-hmm. you, you can't hear anything, and you, nope. you don't actually know that there are any kids here now? Mm-hmm. Faleth, you sit amongst your small army of children. Since you took that first chance and gave young Yona light, your night has been filled with mystery and excitement, from learning more about what happened to the townsfolk of Barrowman's, to the first of what you hope is many revelations from your mother. Your night so far has been quite eventful. But now, after playing games with the children back in your lodgings, a great tiredness has come over you. You feel a yawn coming on, proof of your tiredness. And you look about the now cramped room. In the low light of the fire, you can see the thin streams of light extending from the hearth to each of the children, like ribbons or threads, slowly as they drink in the radiance. As they laugh and play, no sign of tiredness apparent on each of them. They've played ghoulie grabbers and sung various songs since you made it back to your lodgings, and you've even played a few rounds as the ghoulie, as the protectors, and the poor unfortunate prey. You certainly prefer to play as the ghoulie. You even won your first round. That yawn threatens to escape as you hear your mother's voice, her dark form settled in a nearby chair, at this time visible only to you. Sometimes I feel as if I robbed you of your childhood. You did not have other children to accompany you. You did not learn to dance and play amongst them. Instead, it was amongst gravestones. But I did what had to be done. We were not safe in the Sokshe, and I would do it again to protect you, my child. We're laying it on thick tonight, aren't we, Mother? Don't think I'm not still mad at you, just because you're finally telling me stuff. You're temperamental, just like I was as a child. Yeah, I would not know that, would I? Because I don't even know your name. Names have too much power. Those so you've look- said... Those that look for us perhaps would find that you know my name, and with that, would find you. Does that mean my name's not my real name? Or do they just not know about 
I think perhaps that's a discussion for another time. Of course it is. Everything's a discussion for later. Thanks, Mum. I only did what I did to protect you. Ah, yeah. So you've said many times. And I'm not saying I don't believe you. I'm not saying I do. By the way, thanks for not making me grow up with other children because this is absolutely terrible. You think you note the barest hint of the of a twitch, of a smile or a grin from the dark shadows of your mother's visage. Children are quite tiring. I suppose that's one way to put it. I can remember watching you. Always worry. Always scared that something would happen to you. But you've grown up so strong. How noisy is it out there still? Outside the building or inside? Outside. Outside, you can, every once in a while, you can still hear the low murmur. But it seems like the murmur that was coming from outside has shifted farther away as if drawn by something else. So I could probably sleep. Quite possibly. Shayla is done with her mom tonight. She doesn't want to deal with her. She's thinking about the things she's already been told and isn't entirely sure whether she even should believe a word that comes out of her mother's mouth. Uh, So she turns to her child army and says, Keep the fire going. Keep watch, will ya? I'm going to get some shut-eye and maybe get some of Madame Smells back. Aye, aye, Faileth. Excellent. Ah, uh, yes. What was your name? Quinine? Something like that. Colas? Quaaludes. Quaaludes, that's the one. Right. Uh, and she goes up and curls up next to Melian using whatever uh, blanket he's got for herself as well. As the room dims around you, your tiredness overtaking you, you hear your mother say, Sleep, my child. I will still be here to protect you. Yeah. Quiet the noise. I won't let them have you. And you almost feel her presence sort of fall down around you like a comforting blanket. The sounds of the world dimming the voices of the children becoming farther away as darkness takes you. But the last thing that you think you saw as you closed your eyes was the form of a woman, elven with pale violet skin, unruly white hair, and a severe face. A form sitting beneath the layers of darkness that you know are your mother. And then sleep takes you. Moving scenes over to Quarry and Yovan. You stand in the chill dark of what would be a pitch black night, if not illuminated only by the fire you have started in the small stable slash courtyard behind the captain's cask. Various townsfolk, including Natty, have answered some of your questions. Now that they've been temporarily returned to normal, 
and a more cognizant state than during the day. Looking around, you can see that as you have continued to ask questions, more and more townsfolk have approached this area and reverted to a normal form, as this clearly is the only source of light that you know is visible at this time. So, what are the two of you going to do? What is your plan? I realize that I for- there's one question that I should have asked last time, and I didn't. Uh, which is, where actually is the mayor's house located? The townsfolk say that the mayor, because the Gessa family doesn't actually remain in Barrowman's the majority of the time, the mayor takes up the eastern wing of the Gessa manor house. Oh. And his staff as well. As a way of ensuring that the place is also looked after. Oh dear. Well, Jovan, we've learned a lot, and I... There's one more thing that I'd like to do before we retire for the night. But I think perhaps we should ask Melian and Faileth to join us. I'm thinking that perhaps it would be best, while it is still possible to get some sense out of these people, to go up to the house where the mayor is staying. I'm not as interested in talking to the mayor as I am to talk to any uh, servants who are left behind that may have control of the family's records. If I recall correctly, that story that you told, or that that man told you, uh, one of the ancestors of the Gessa found the tunnels into the abbey. I'm wondering if he's left any kind of clue behind that would help us find them. The only thing I worry though I don't worry too deeply is that the creature that they spoke of that's hunting the servants of the mayor is likely prowling tonight if we were to go without getting a lay of the land while it's safe we could put ourselves in a dangerous position that's very true it's one of the reasons I thought perhaps we should have Melian (laughs) Faileth and Melian accompany us because if we do go it should be as a group Yes. If if we wait for morning, I fear that we'll just encounter more vagueness and the people there will not be inclined to allow us access to any kind of private records, whereas now at night they realize the dire position that they are in and may be more inclined to be cooperative. Okay. Um, hmm. I wonder if there is, among the people here, something that we could say. We could take advantage of the fact that they are not fully cognizant during the day. They'll remember what we need. The records will be there, whether it's daytime or night. And if we just say the right thing, I mean, like this, and hmm. probably turn to the rest of the people that are currently around the fire. It's, we want to go to the, the mayor's home to see if they have records about pathways that lead into the Abbey, so that we can put this right. We'd go during the day, but we're not sure that the mayor and his employees, which is absolutely not the wrong word, but the right word, but that's fine, um, <laughs> would let us in, just if they didn't remember us, or weren't aware of what was happening. Is there anything we could say that would make them more amiable to helping us? 
A name that we could drop, perhaps. The proprietor of the of the captain's cask sort of steps up and says we don't get many we don't have many reasons to call on the mayor it's more of a appointed individual most things we wait until the guesses come so anything that you want to bring to his attention or Ask him to do. I wouldn't be surprised if he rolls out the red carpet. That's comforting. Another thing, though, to think about it. Would the, the name of Marsh mean anything here? The merchant from the... Oh, yes. I I myself get a, del- get a delivery as well when a lot at, at the same time as the stately elf does. Thank you. You've been if most you helpful. lift this curse, I'm sure that will be... Uh, we haven't had, we have, ever since the barrier went up that Nettie spoke about, we haven't had a shipment come in. Well, Marsh and his, uh, his family are underwent a, a bit of a traumatic incident, um, which we just finished rescuing them from. They're among our number. Uh, <laughs> we'll be returning to his home after the curse is lifted. We'll, we'll get you your shipment. Certainly hope so. Otherwise... Tap rooms will be empty, and sometimes that means there'll be a riot. There's some comfort. Thank you. I turned back to Corey. That's a, well, that sounds like good news. Right carpet, and failing that, we do have a merchant of the highest caliber among our number. If he's mm. coming to speak with the mayor. Yes, perhaps if I, if we appear, um and tell the mayor that we are here on the official business of the Church of Soul, which we now are, I feel. He will be inclined to be cooperative. If he thinks we're if, uh, on official business and not just travelers passing through seeking to, I don't know, uncover gossip about the family. On official business, and we can have the old man Marsh himself among our number to verify and to vouch for us. So yes. not just strange faces. Yes, that sounds excellent. If you're still eager to go tonight, I'll follow. No, you've, you've made an excellent point, and I think there's no need to put ourselves in additional danger if we can see a way to do it under Soul's light instead. I'm glad. Right. Um... This is going to be raise some questions about the townsfolk. Speaking of when the sun rises, and uh, much of the tap house has burned, uh, furniture has burned. If uh, I had the time, I would be curious to sit and listen to how they explain that to themselves, seeing as they all stay at home and nothing unusual happens during the night. You'd see the proprietor say, likely. We'll come up with a reason. We'll find ways to rationalize it. A more extensive barroom brawl that broke it so much that it couldn't be repaired, and why not just burn it in the back? A thief. Perhaps some of the furniture was never there at all. Hmm. It won't mean anything to us in the day. And if I remember it at the end, when everything is the way it should be, 
will still be very happy to adopt us for these brief moments. I'm glad at least we're able to bring you some comfort. Comfort that will be gone soon enough if you don't fix this. We will do everything in our power. Or I will do everything in my power. We should not speak for others. Something flits through Yowen's mind. It was everyone that had the strange dreams where the light was taken away. Everyone, yeah. right? Yes. Corey, we can't let Melian and we can't let Faileth, we can't let them sleep. Oh, I... I, we haven't seen the lights. The lights that accompanied those dreams. And the one who cast the spell is no longer here. No small comfort then. Okay. Was... If that means that it's safe, I don't know, but I certainly hope it is. For your sake, you'll eventually have to sleep. Then perhaps we should go and see if we can sleep. We have much to do tomorrow. The people here contend to the fire. We'll do our best to keep it going as long as we can. It's Thank been you. a pleasure to meet you properly. Uh, hopefully we will... No, not hopefully. We will have a chance to speak like this again. Thank you. May Soul bless you with his light. May the grace of the maidens go with you. May they smile upon you. Oh, these poor people. So I guess we head back to the inn, and I'm assuming a lot of people are here by the fire and not going to bother us on our way. As you are making your way back, you can see some misshapen figures. They basically ignore you. They walk straight past you. Unless you get your light too much onto them, and then they start directing towards you until Yovan makes the lantern look a different way. And they're no longer following your light. And... Within a few minutes, you're back at your lodgings behind the tavern, and you hear singing. You hear a whole bunch of little kids singing. And there is clearly light coming through the edges of the boards that you put up. I hadn't really thought about us returning. Should we attempt to go back through the inn? It looks like troubles found them. The singing doesn't seem too menacing, and yet it is quite out of place. Yovan, you recognize the singing as little as snippets of some various songs that you've heard and that you've grown up hearing over the years. You hear a little bit of ghoulie grabbers and the laughter. Uh, you also hear Wicker Man and The Way Home. All various songs that you can remember from your childhood and remember when you were in Adenon. Just that the children would sing and play. We should be careful, but perhaps some of the children the little girl that Faith was speaking with. Hmm. Perhaps there are more. Yes. Are we going in through the inn, or are we knocking on the door? I'm... I'm following Cory. Oh. Um, I feel like hearing the voices, Cory will probably just knock on the door and see if they can get anyone's attention, because trying to crawl up through a floor where you don't know what's going on in a room sounds kind of like a bad idea. 
My one question is, Jovan, how did you reinforce and barricade the door? You used planks, so... Probably the same way they did the windows. Just planks across So it. just planks over? Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe something wedged under the doorknob, uh, like a chair or something as well. Okay. You bang on the door. The singing continues. You bang on the door again, and the singing stops. And then you hear a little voice go, Hello? There's no light in here for you. Faileth? She's asleep. Ah. Is Melian awake? Is that the one that Faileth's sleeping with? Hmm. Probably. Uh. He doesn't have ears. He looks funny. <laughs> Is the Lord Marsh? Or there? Trent? I'm here. It's a bit hard to sleep with all this racket. Well, why didn't you speak up earlier, then? It's me and Quarry. We come bearing mostly good news, but... It's a bit cramped in here, but... I'm not sleeping out here, if that's what you're insinuating. Open the door, old man. There's a, oh, you geezer. hear the sound of like someone trying to cross the room and clearly there being people in the way and like a chair falling over and a few other things like that and then the you hear the sound of uh, him trying to open the door and it opens inwards so it's like it's hitting the planks and he's like Trent come over here we need to remove these and after you're standing out there for a couple more minutes, you hear the sounds of the planks being removed from the door, undoing everything you've done to barricade it, and then it opens. All right. Well, Thank you. And you see the light of the fire cast about this room, and you see probably about eight children all sitting, on some on beds, some on the floor, uh, and you see four children in a ring and one child sitting in the middle and and a sixth child circling around it. But strangely, there is a thin line of light traveling to each of the children, just like the adults that you've seen before, coming from the fireplace. Is there a, a story to this, or did we accidentally set up in the orphanage? The young girl brought them. She left, went out, gathered all of them around her, was gone for the better part of an hour, and then came back. And it has been impossible to sleep ever since. I don't know how she could sleep. I don't expect that we'll need to watch an eye towards defense, as we had thought. We may be able to move into the basement or into the tap house proper. I'm not sure if we should tell them what we learned now or wait till the morning. We have much to do tomorrow. Perhaps it is better for us to see what rest we can get. Probably rebarricade the door to protect ourselves from the possibility of that monster out there. Yes. Do you mean the singing monster? The singing monster. Yeah. Yeah, there, there, there's a... There's this... What can you tell us? There's a monster that sings out there. 
It always, always sings the way home. Can you tell us more? I think I've seen it. It looks like a man. But it's tall. And... Did you see it around the garrison? Around... It has arms like a spider. And it sings. It sings about trying to find the way home. It always comes at night. It sounds like it may be just another wayward villager. I'm not sure what sets it apart from the rest of them. They hmm. all had various manifestations without the light. Or I will look at the child that's speaking to them and ask, does it look like you without light? Or does it look like so it would during the day? Worse. Ah. And it doesn't go back during the day anymore. But it was one of us once. And it sings. Yeah. Ah. That's how it got the cards. Did it trick them with its song? They couldn't get away from it. Do you know they why didn't not? Know what was the way home? Ah. Do you need to know the way home to escape from it? I don't know. It's never come from me. Well, let's hope it never comes for any of us. Thank you for this information. You're really tall. That's true, I am very tall. Can I go back to playing now? Of course. Thank you for Thank helping you. us get back in. And the children go back to playing. You notice that well they that well that one child spoke to you, all of the children had just stopped and were staring. Cory will turn to Yovan and say, I don't know what the singing means, if anything. Must be the same one, if it's went after the garrison. Yes, and it doesn't change back during the day. That's concerning. Still, I'd rather fight it in the daylight if I have to. As would I. All things are better under the light of soul. Oh. What are we going to do about this, then? Looks like Melian isn't struggling at all. I'm... Not quite sure. Wrap a blanket around your head and hope for the best, I suppose. Jovan's going to help rebarricade the door and then find... Maybe climb up in the rafters or down in the basement, either or. Um, and just put some cotton bits in his ears and rest as best he can. Quarry will help Jovan barricade the door again and then find, hopefully, some bit of space that they can curl up and go to sleep. And we'll attempt to persuade Carlin to wrap his tentacles around Quarry's head to cover their ears. Carlin thinks it is a very strange request, <laughs> but will, and the sound is strangely muffled. Oh, good. But with that, the rest of the night seems to pass uneventfully. You all wake up shortly after sunrise exhausted from the previous night. When you do, the children are gone. 
trace of them being here. None. The fire, though, still burns. A small amount. Just coals. But not ripped of light. Now the four of you have awakened, what are you going to do? Thank God they're not here anymore. <sighs> that seems like you went on a bit of you and Melian went on a bit of an adventure. Do you Oh want no. To... Melian stayed here. Oh. He let you go out on your own? He was sleeping. I didn't ask. Well, that's between you and him, I suppose. No, I get to make my own decisions. That's true. That's true. Melian's my friend and I love him, but he doesn't own me and he doesn't control me either. <sighs> so you met my child army, did you? Oh, yes. We got the, the full introduction. Uh, collecting them for fun, or...? It started out just giving light to Yona, and then I had Quaaludes and all the others, and I felt bad just leaving them out there, and they protected me from all the other shambly guys, so we went and we explored their bodies a bit, and I almost went up to the monastery, but then decided I should go with you guys, so I brought them back here so they could hang out by the fire and stay themselves all night, uh, and they taught me some weird games that were kind of fun, but also kind of creepy, and I liked them, and then I went to sleep. You went and saw their bodies? Yep. What did you learn? Oh, they haven't gotten out of bed in a long time, so whatever they wake up as in the morning is not them. Like, there's dust an inch thick all over these floors. These people have been in beds however long this has been going on, which I'm pretty sure they told me, but I don't remember. I wonder what... Hmm. Their light's been stolen. It's in a green gem now that's up in the monastery, so we need to go get it today. Also, I need to steal some jewelry for Quaaludes. All right. Uh, yes, yes. We we heard about the the light stealing uh, in the dream. It's yeah. in a green gem, so we should go get that right now, uh, and then we can put them all back and go back to Dwemer Hollow. We're going to tour verse up to a curse first. There's a barrier over the town. Oh, that's inconvenient. It is. Um, we're also going to need to find our way to the abbey, going down the front way. Will likely get us killed, but there may be secret tunnels. Ooh, I like secret tunnels. Back doors. Corey can explain more. Well, in the story the old man told you, there was a secret tunnel that led into the abbey that allowed the Lord Gessa to accomplish his ambush. If we could find these tunnels, if they do exist then perhaps we can make a a quieter attack on the abbey and stand a better chance of success. But I think that perhaps we should go up to the manor this morning to see what we can learn, whether or not there's any clues that the former Lord Gessa left behind about where these tunnels may be. And... I understand there's also a shrine to the three ladies that perhaps we could restore for them. Oh yeah, we've got to do that before we die. The three, right. That should be the second. Also, they perhaps will help us 
if we are able to restore their shrine. It seems they were a great help to these people before the shrines were desecrated. And finally, when we go up to the manor, we will need to be careful. Most of the citizens here, they seem to be harmless, daytime or night, but there is an exception. The one that hunted down the folks in the garrison, and who now, apparently, is hunting down the servants of the mayor. And if the children are to be believed, he stays a monster both in daylight and night now. To watch. So if any townsperson acts aggressively, I should deal with them. Uh, if any townsperson has a spiraling uh, mouth uh, with sharp teeth and spider-like limbs and is singing while trying to kill you, we need to deal with him. Uh, uh, I think. May I say, that is very Yogan, that I likely did not need that as a caution. <laughs> it's good to know that. Um, we may be hunted as we move through. We should not let our guards down. Yes. Uh, but if a, one of the townsfolk is aggressive, it's probably because they... Depending on, uh, they either haven't slept in several days or they've done nothing but sleep for several days. Um, but I wonder if how that affects the specters. Are they getting the benefits of the rest of the... They're, it's not, they're not real. Their bodies are sleeping in their beds. Hmm. I think in that sense it may be harmless if Melian were to attack someone but it's oh I don't know about I'm... that though if it's their souls being projected or whatever if you kill the soul can the body ever come back to life and if it is can... their bodies wandering in the town during the day it no definitely like not anywhere. bodies haven't left those rooms in a very long time the townspeople, it seems, are not likely to be a threat one way or the other, and the monster, from what I gather, will be unmistakable. The concern I have is if the monster is as intangible as the rest of them when it comes down to a fight, if we'll be able to harm him at all, or if we're going to need to find where he sleeps as well. I could be wrong, but I thought that Natty said something about... It being substantial, but now I have to look back through my notes. Sorry. Unless Cass wants to tell me whether that's a thing she said or not. <laughs> mm. I mean, it's substantial enough to take apart a few guards, but... I'm... Dangerous monster. It's lost all traces of humanity. As one does. It's less than human. Presumably. When he changed, he became lost. He delights in pain. And of course the law. Can you imagine if he was law-abiding, though? A law-abiding, <laughs> rampaging mm. But Natty says beast. it hides from the sun because it's weak in the sun. So okay. perhaps we will be able to kill it during the day? I mean, I guess we'll find out, maybe. Or if we're lucky, we won't. Well, Paladin, you have your wish. We are staying in this town. Perhaps you should take us to this noble's house so that we may execute the release of this town as quickly as possible. Uh, you, you can see Jovan sweat furiously when you mention executing and calm down after you finish your sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I've given this some small thought and I would welcome any other suggestions. My, in, my gut instinct is that we should 
approach the mayor in an, some official capacity to gain access to the documents we seek. It seems unlikely that he will give us what we are looking for if we are just travelers passing through. And of course, he won't remember anything about the curse that he's under. So I thought perhaps if I notified him that we were on official business for the Church of Soul, which is true, uh, he may be willing to grant us access to what we seek. Uh, you mentioned that you're on official business for the Church of Saul, and Melian's expression darkens considerably, and he leans in and says, Are we? Quarry will look at Melian and say, I am always on the official business of the Church, but given that the Cult of Bliss is likely had a hand in what has happened to this town and the fact that they are taking children and have holed themselves up at the Abbey, I believe that it would be accurate to say that all of us have some interest in or rather that our interests align with the church whether or not we are members. I'm open to other suggestions. I just think we need to get that gem and let the light back in. Then these people will be fine. Did we not rescue a nobleman? That's part of the plan. Uh, we're hoping that uh, the old man Marsh here will vouch for us when we say our, we're on church business. I hope that's not going to be an issue. Well, I don't know if I can exactly vouch for church business. You certainly are here on business protecting me. And I can likely stretch the truth a bit. That's appreciated. Uh, as long as you can confirm that we're not just strangers wandering town to town taking advantage of the various local governments. Um, Melian chuckles. If we were bandits in search of documents, we would be the rarest of bandits. You say that, but these bandits that we just dealt with were... Regardless. Oh, yeah. Right. Sun's shining, and we're not a moment to lose. Mm, yes. Though maybe perhaps we can lose a small minute and grab something to eat. We did pay for our stay, after all. So you guys start prepping yourself for the day, and you head over to the tavern. Uh, you see that the fire, that the hearth has a fire crackling away in it, and where there was the pot of stew in it, you see that the pot of stew has been moved over slightly to one side so that it's still heating, but there is now another pot in there that looks like it has porridge of some kind. I'm just going to quickly use the mage hand and try and poke at the burning logs to see if they're real? They're real. Okay. I wonder, is the flame simply uh, the proprietor might put out the fire himself when it comes time to turn down? Hmm. Strange. Oh, there. How did you sleep? As well as we could. Glad to hear it. Hope you don't mind the hole in the floor. Haven't gotten around to fixing that yet. Oh, it's no problem at all. I appreciate you boarding up the windows for us to keep the light out. That's a, that's a nice touch. We do what we must. Had a group in there not that long ago that roughed up the place a bit, so... Fully understand. Uh, while they have this conversation, Melian has grabbed a bowl, helped himself to some porridge, <laughs> and is sitting down just... <laughs> I have a hearty appetite after a good night's sleep. You guys begin to eat, and is there anything you'd like to discuss over breakfast, or 
I actually think Quarry would probably take their porridge outside and feel very guilty because they didn't get up early enough to observe the lumen. Try to quickly say their prayers while they eat. It's a bit hard to say prayers between mouthfuls before the porridge gets to starts to cool down considerably, but after you've completed the lumen and eaten about three quarters of your breakfast, you're you come back, you're able to come back inside and rejoin the group for the end. I mean, feel free to talk amongst yourselves while I'm gone. Yovan uh, might bring up momentarily, just in passing, that if some ill passage to the third, I'm sure they'll be more than happy to accommodate this town and find a mayor who would carefully explain away anything missing that went just be a terrible thing. But you said it was a barrier preventing access, presumably from both both sides. Oh, good thing for the mayor then, yes. Yeah, no, you're quite right. Quite right. (laughs) He's comes back to himself, you know, he's left that behind. But old habits die hard. Yeah, something like that. With your breakfast completed, what are you planning to do next? Go find that shrine. So I guess we leave the inn and head up the hill? Are you going to stop anywhere on your way? Oh, I guess I could return the uh, brazier on my way up the hill. Ooh, I'm going to keep my eyes open for jewelry to steal. (laughs) I promised. Yes, you did. So you stop outside Natty's. Faelith, are you going to go in with Quarry? Yep. So as you go in, you find that it is a cramped, small little shop filled to the brim with knickknacks and esoteric objects. And Quarry, you see Natty sitting over in her same chair that she's always sitting in during the day, and she looks up at you and goes, Oh, hello. Ah, hello. Can I interest you in anything? Uh, no, I'm just here to return the brazier that I rented from you. Oh, oh, yes, I remember that. She sort of pushes herself up a bit from her chair and hobbles over and takes the brazier from you and puts it off to the side, off up onto one of the walls on the shelves and counts out 14 gold coins back into your hand. Oh, thank you very much. I certainly hope that you found what you were looking for. Indeed I did, thank you. It was a great help to me. Good, good. Well, we'd best be on our way. And you, young miss, can I help you with anything? What have you got that's shiny? Shiny, you say? Hmm. Let me think. She sort of taps her hand, her, her finger against her her chin a few times and looks at you and goes, Hmm. I think I have a ribbon. Mm, no, that's not going to do. Faileth, what are you looking for? Well, I told uh, 
Quaaludes that I'd uh, get some jewelry for his mother. Jewelry? Mm-hmm. He wanted to... And she just continues to rattle off a couple various things, but none of them stand out to you. Yeah, he wanted to take... Well, he was interested in, like, the green stone, and that child can talk like no one business. So to shut him up, I told him that I would get him something else he could give to his mother that was pretty and shiny, like the green stone that had their light in it. And I know that he may not remember it, but I did promise. And I feel a little bit bad for shutting him up. He seems so excited about it. So I'm keeping my eyes open for something pretty. She's sort of wandering around, talking about various things. And then she reaches over and she pulls out a small disc of metal that has set in the center of it. A sort of whitish piece of polished quartz. And goes... I do have this, but a lot of good that's going to do you. Why? There's no magic here. Not a single drop. Though, apparently my basket has some form of magic still. My favorite pair of darning needles fixed themselves after I snapped them. Oh. Why does having no magic make that necklace less pretty? Oh. This necklace. You see, this stone is said to be the tear of Asarim. It's one of the great serpents of stone. It is said to possess some of the Serpent's hunger, allowing to slip through spaces made of stone, as if you were eating them. Ooh. But it's completely useless. She puts it back up on onto one of the shelves and sort of wanders over a little bit further and pulls out a marble and sort of holds it up to the light. This is a rather pretty thing just made of glass. How much for the glass and the necklace, please? Hmm. Well, if there was magic, I think I'd charge a considerable amount for the necklace, but there's no magic whatsoever. Twenty-five gold pieces for the two lot. Hmm. How about you give them to me for free... And I will let you talk to any of your dead loved ones that you'd like. Hmm. I suppose I could go as low as 50 gold pieces. Of course, that's what? if you could allow me to talk to Mr. Fuzzles. What if I could let you give Mr. Fuzzles one last hug? And you gave it to me for nothing because I don't have any gold. Give me a persuasion check. Okay. Jonathan, I'm pretty sure you do have gold. Do I? I don't think we spent. I don't think we spent your gold. When did I get gold? When we made our characters. Like, we didn't buy anything for you. No, but Faileth doesn't have any money. In which case, probably Melian has your gold. Which means I have gold for you. And Philip doesn't realize it's hers. 
No, I mean, well, she might not, but Melian knows it's hers because he buys her stuff with it. Fair. I think that makes more sense than Faelith actually having her own money. Fair. Uh, I got a 15 on my persuasion. She doesn't seem... It seems like her going as low as 15 is what she's willing to budge. Melian puts 10 gold on the counter and says... Steps forward, puts 10 gold on the counter and says... Here is ten, and the girl will summon whatever ghost you require. How about you summon Mr. Fuzzles and my great aunt Beatrice? Always hated her. Sure, why not? Excellent. I've always wanted to get on. Tell her exactly what I've thought of her. Give her a piece of my mind. Okay, then. So, right, do you want your cat, I assume, first, or your bitchy aunt? You see her turn, and she pulls a large skull off of the <gasps> behind her rocking chair that looks sort of bigger than a human skull, and it sort of ends in a weird open aperture space that you think might have been a beak. <gasps> Oh, I like you, lady. We're gonna get along great. You got the head. That's gonna be easy. Uh, and I put my hand on the skull, and I am going to try to summon this spirit. Do I get advantage because I've got the head? Oh, go right ahead with advantage. Yay. Okay, first uh, is a 16 on the dice. An 11, so I'll take 16. That's a 23. There's this sort of, like pull in the air and the temperature drops perceptibly and the hulking spiritual form of an owl bear begins to form there taking up most of the room and you see the old lady natty just so happy and exuberant and she jumps and she tries to give it a hug but she passes through it and it's just they start she starts talking to it in bird noises and it starts talking back and you hold that there for probably about 10 minutes before it starts to become a bit of a strain and she turns to you and says thank you Mr. Fuzzles can go back to his rest now. Good to know. He's always watching over me. I love you. You're amazing. I hope we save this town just so that you can go back to your weird life. Uh, and she lets Mr. Fuzzles go. Don't suppose you've got your great aunt's skull, do you? That would certainly help. She walks over to <laughs> another... <gasps> Love this lady. To, to another part of the shop and goes down to a drawer at the very bottom and opens it. And she just has feet. <gasps> just individual boxes with all the little bones of a person's foot and a label. This is the best person I've ever met. I love her more than I've loved anyone in my entire life. I need to spend the rest of my days learning from this person. Melian, why did I never think to collect the feet? I have no answer for that question. I'm collecting teeth, I'm collecting skulls, I could have been collecting feet! Wait, I'm sorry, you're collecting what? Teeth? Skulls? You know what, I'm gonna wait outside. 
<clears throat> Did I never show you my teeth collection? No. I've got finger bones too, but never feet. This opens up a whole new realm of possibilities for me. You take the foot, and similarly, this time you get a... I'm just going to go with the same roll from last time. You get a crotchety, old, late gnomish lady that looks very similar to the to Natty, and the she's just arguing with her. Like the moment, even before she is fully summoned, before she has a throat, she's already yelling and screeching at her. And after this one probably goes on twice as long as Mr. Fuzzles before the ghost decides to just banish itself. And Natty looks very pleased with herself. Very, very pleased. And takes the ten coins and pops them away and brings down a, the... Uh, medallion, and then a couple more pieces of, uh, a couple more marbles as well. So now you've got a small little sack of marbles, probably about ten in nice. total, and a interesting little medallion. And as you take it, she looks at you and says, Ah, I should tell you. If there was magic, the word to make it work is fiddle-faddle. Fiddle-faddle! Right! I'm putting that in my inventory. And she just sits down, looking very pleased, as she starts to go back to knitting. Knit, knit, purl. Knit, knit, purl. This is very productive. And your business in Natty's shop has apparently ended. Unless someone else has more business. I'm good. So am I. Quarry, did you go outside after mm -hmm. your business, or did you stay in for all of Faleth's? No, I went. I went outside when I was done, keeping an eye out for that monster that may be seen in the daylight. And with that, you guys head up the switchback, going back and forth, moving slowly up the cliff until you reach the top, and you see the large garrison building, and the road continues on. I guess we continue on the road past the garrison? As we walk past the garrison, uh, Melian shrugs off the shield, and uh, uh, doesn't draw his sword, but loosens it in the scabbard. Probably a good idea. You note that as you are traveling, that you are actually traveling along a hedge. And where the hedge breaks, you see that there is a lane that goes into a expansive estate. But the road that you are on continues, and you can see a bit farther down, it branches to the left, and continues straight, becoming less of a road and more of a path off into the woods. What are you going to do? Melian Faileth, I don't suppose either of you have any inkling of uh, which way the shrine would be. Nope. Was the shrine not the statues in the center of town? I mm. thought we intended to catch it on the way back. 
No, I think the people said that the shrine was up by the manor house. Well, normally, I like to be very careful and prepare for my journeys. I think, considering the circumstances and considering the destination, if we simply trusted our feet, we should likely find our way there. The other one was in the woods. Perhaps this this uh, less traveled-looking path would lead us to the shrine. Yovan, you have a faint recollection of the end of Beltane's story, where he talked about the fact that a shrine had been built, and that he said that up in when you're in Upper Barrowmans, when the fork when the road forks, the left fork going up into the mountains would lead to the abbey but the fork to the right would eventually lead to the shrine I'm just going to say that uh, Yovan absolutely knows that and uh, is going to to let his feet lead him in the correct direction (laughs) excellent with raised eyebrows Melian follows Uh, yeah uh, Yovan's going to head up to the fork and take the fork leading off to where the older man insinuated the shrine would as you meander down the path that goes through the forest and along the edge of the cliff for a while you come to a jagged break in the mountain where the small path now can clearly no longer be traversed by wagon you climb up a little bit as it takes you only a few minutes on the path before you come to the mouth of a cavern, yawning like a black crack in the mountain. On either side of the entrance are two crudely carved stone statues of small bears. What did I tell you? Found our way with... Hmm. Do these statues look anything like the ones that uh, he'd come across the first shrine? The first shrine, you remember that while there were a couple different animals that were around that shrine, the first shrine that you came across was of a single lady. And most specifically, there was a a deer statue with it. Jovan's going to um, pull out his lantern, light it, uh, see if he can see anything in the crack in the side of the mountain. The crack looks like it goes into a low cavern that has sconces dug into the walls. And at the back of it, because it's not very deep, you can see what looks like a cloth mural or a piece a sheet of cloth that's been hung up that looks like it depicts possibly the maidens a bit for, forward from that there is what looks like it almost could be an altar but laying on it is what appears to be Something vaguely humanoid. Oh no! Um. Hmm. 
And there's somebody in there, laying on the altar. I'm not sure if it's alive. Are you or not. going to move your light around to sort of look at the edges or more? I'm gonna have my main hand kill the lantern inside. light up the, the edges once it's fully inside. As the lantern sort of begins to play along the edges, you begin to note that there is a reddish-brown substance splashed along most of the walls. And pools of it on the floor. Until your light reveals laying at the steps up towards this altar is what appears to be a dismembered corpse of someone wearing the uniform of a servant that's enough of a hint I think we're gonna have the mage hand uh, shudder the lantern something wrong friend you monster mentioned, the one that's been hunting, that hunted the garrison, and the servants of the mayor. Ah, well then, shing, turn on the light and let me at him. If we can get it, let's sleep, that is the best time. <laughs> oh man, this is such a terrible idea. Oh. <laughs> All right. I'm going to unshutter the lantern and uh, point it at the thing on the altar. Um, with the Cory will have drawn their weapon in preparation for this. Uh, and again, with Aurora, uh, Melian will charge into the cave. Ah! Can I have uh, initiative from everyone? Uh, <laughs> can I roll initiative with advantage since I initiated this combat? Uh, go right ahead. Surprise round, yeah. maybe? 14. 3. Uh, <laughs> initiative. 9. 11. 23. Somebody rolled a nat 20 on this second roll. Now watch, I won't be able to hit anything this whole... <laughs> you wasted it on all the initiative rolls. That's right. I wasted it on the initiative roll. Uh, you mentioned that there was some rubble nearby on the road that made it impassable to carts, uh, as though from, like, a landslide, maybe? Yes, but that was a few minutes back. Okay. Does it look like the area above this crack is also unstable, if for some reason we needed to flee and <laughs> seal the entrance? Quite possibly. Okay. <laughs> no, I have to... I have to make the, the, the shrine right, or or my soul will live as an animal in the forest. I'm not cool with that. Well, see, is theoretically, if this thing is a projection, then we just need to find where the actual body is sleeping, deal with it, and then we clear out the rubble, and then get back and heal the shrine. If this goes south. Sure. But we also have million, so there's a good chance we can just kill it. No problem. No sweat. Chop, chop. Problem done. Melian, as you are charging in, Yovin shutter un unshutters the lantern. 
this casts light into the chamber. So as you charge in, looking about this room, you don't see any monsters. Uh, okay. You sort of you you charge down a couple steps and you come out into into the main open area of this one. Clearly, it looks like it's only one room. Sort of mm-hmm. a think of like a like a cone where the there's the entrance. the The entrance is like the the. Imagine it's an ice cream cone, and the entrance okay. is like a cherry on top of the ice cream. And then the ice cream and the bigger part of the cone is like the top front area, and then it gets smaller as it gets to the back where the altar is. Sure. Okay. You're with me? Kind of. Okay. <laughs> the. You can see that there is blood scattered and sp- like spiraled onto the walls in an almost weirdly artistic flare. Throughout this whole place, there is far more blood than the single body that you can see here. You can see from Jovan's light a human that has clearly been dismembered into at least 12 pieces, but has been arranged like a normal body. Hmm. And it is laying like just below the altar you didn't but you don't see any other monster in here so what are you gonna do uh, Melian sort of skids to a halt and he's like there's no monster and he moves over to uh, toward the body at the base of the just poke it with his sword it's doubt right just make sure that guy's dead even though he looks like he's dismembered I'm just gonna make sure he's dead by like poking him, not stabbing him, just poking him. So you you poke it, you poke it, and the arm falls off. Someone has done a very good job profaning this altar, though. Perhaps it was the shadow of the corpse from the lantern light, but I swore I saw something on the altar. Does Yovan not see it anymore? Well, Quarry, it's your turn. Oh no! Right. Amazing. <laughs> I will step in with my um, halberd drawn and sort of look around to see if it's like, I don't know, clinging to the ceiling or something awful like that. The oven doesn't seem one to imagine seeing things and is usually far more observant than Quarry is. Would you like me to make a perception check? Yeah, go right ahead. Make a perception check. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's a six. You've been on the battlefield before. You've seen blood. The room, the amount of blood here, far more than that one corpse that Melian is standing over by. Mm-hmm. Looking across the ceiling, there's some patches that are still in shadow. You don't see anything up there. I wonder where the rest of the bodies are. There's too much blood here for just that one. Faileth, it is your turn. 
Uh, Faelith is going to uh, go up to the body, look around a bit, and yell, Monster, are you in here? Uh, and can I also do a perception check? I don't see anything. <laughs> Faelith, you are captivated by some of the walls where the blood has been splattered over. It used to, it appears that it used to have uh, carvings and paintings of that same story that uh, Beltane told you, as well as prominent images of three beautiful, almost elf-like ladies, as well as a squirrel. A deer and a bear. But that squirrel! A squirrel! And, and, and that that's where they all lost you. That's, well, that and the fact that the guy's feet are cut off. So she's like, oh, those feet. <laughs> Man, I could take the feet. I could... I could it's already dismembered for you. This is so easy. I love squirrels. I like feet. This is great. Yovan, it's your turn. He's gonna do another pass with a torch over the shrine, uh, with the lantern over the shrine, and assuming he doesn't see anything, he's going to yell out, keep an eye out, and we're gonna turn out the light for a moment, and then he's gonna shatter the lantern again, and take another peek inside. There is a shape standing right over Faelith. Faelith, look up. Faelith, behind you. Faelith. Huh? What? Does a 17 hit you? Oh no, I have very high armor class. <laughs> yes, if of it, course it does. Uh, does. Does it hit you barely? No, it hits me pretty oh, squarely. Okay. My okay. AC is 14. Alright, I technically called it a warning, but I didn't spend any trick points, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Don't waste them. Hearing hearing that Faleth has been uh, called out, Melian will turn. Melian, what you see is a humanoid figure with grayish skin and a mouth that is that circling spiral that Jovan said. But it doesn't have two arms. It has... Is it 8? Is it 12? Is it 17? Is it 3? You can't tell. They're these almost spider-like appendages with scythe-like blades at the end. And you see one slicing out towards Faelith. Faelith, you will take... 11 piercing damage. Ow! As it slices across your back, and you see that because of that, as that one slices across Faileth, that a couple more almost lunge forward as if trying to grab her and pull her towards it, but because of the height difference, it is unsuccessful. And with that, Melian, it is your turn. Yeah, so as a bonus action, I roar, and this time I 
magic shimmers across my entire skin uh, as I my as it blanches and becomes crystalline white. Uh, fur starts to sprout from all of my pores. Uh, I throw my head back and my hair gets much longer and becomes a mane uh, of pure white. Uh, my features elongate and become that of a, a majestic lion. And then I roar something unintelligible because now I'm a lion, I guess, and I attack that thing so hard, so recklessly. Take it away. <laughs> Oops, that's not where attacks are. <laughs> Does an eight hit it? You remember uh, what you said earlier. Remember that time where I wasted my 20 on initiative? <laughs> oh, boy. With advantage, I got an 8. Unfortunately, no. Uh, your blade... You're using your greatsword? No, I'm using my uh, longsword. using your so longsword? So I have a shield Sorry. ready. Yeah. Uh, you slice out towards it with it, but the it sort of just faints with some of... With like a, it, it stabs one scythe-like appendage out towards you and twists and contorts its body in a way that you don't think it should be able to if it has bones. As it just sort of slightly moves out of the way of your blade. Can, wait, can I use inspiration to re-roll those? We have inspiration, right? Yes, you have one point of inspiration. Can I use my inspiration to re-roll that attack? Oh, go right ahead. Let's see if time rewinds. Hey, uh, dirty 20. Oh, that will hit. There's a brief moment where you almost all think that Melian didn't hit, and the thing sort of contorted out of the way as if it didn't have any bones, but almost as if that was a moment of a possibility. Deja vu. You feel as if some force recorrects. And then it takes nine slashing damage. But more importantly, and this is why I decided to spend the inspiration, it is affected by my ancestral protectors, which means if it tries to attack anybody that isn't me, it will have to roll with disadvantage. Excellent usage. And if it does hit, the target gets resistance on whatever the damage is. Fantastic. Your ancestral spirits, these ephemeral holy knights, begin to harry this monstrosity. And with that, Quarry, it is your turn. In the dim light of this place, there is a scythe, this humanoid figure with scythe-like arms. Bearing down. It is drawn, Faileth's blood. I'm going to use my bonus action to cast Hunter's Mark. And I'm going to attempt an attack with my halberd. Well, that is a nine. That moment before when you thought that Melian had missed... As you stab out your halberd to catch it, you almost feel as if 
the way that those scythe-like blades of its arms move and twist, it's almost hypnotic in a way. Mm. And you're lulled into thinking that it is where it isn't. And now, before Faileth goes, uh, because this is only a single creature against you guys, it is going to use a legendary action. It is going to attempt to embrace Faileth. I do roll with disadvantage. Oof! Oof! That disadvantage was good. The first, the first one was I rolled a 17. This second one, uh, Faileth does a 9 hit you. No! Hurry! Hands off, Grabby. <laughs> you see those scythe-like blades try to like swing forward like mandibles of a creature to try and grab you and pull you towards it. And you see briefly the cavity of its chest almost sort of cave in and begin to glow and pull apart. Gross, weirdo! And it is now your turn, Faileth. We are, uh, we're in touch range here, right? It is basically looming over you. Can I use a bonus action to do an insight check on this thing to see if I think necrotic energy would hurt or help it? If you'd had these types, seen these types of creatures before, maybe, or had more information, I might let you do that, but I don't think I'll let you do it this time around. Alright, well, find out by doing. I reach out and grab its weird arm and go, That hurt you bastard! And cast Inflict Wounds. Hells yeah! That'll make up for that, uh, that nat one. That is a crit. So how many dice is that? Let's see, I'm doing it at second level. So that is 8d10. <laughs> oh god, if it if necrotic energy helps it, you're going to supercharge this monster. <laughs> yep, let's find out! <laughs> uh, that is 45 damage. Faileth, you reach up and you touch this creature. As you touch the blade of one of its scythes, that you feel like it almost, if it just flicked its wrist, might even remove some of your fingers. Your dark energy just scintillates down it, corsicating and like encasing it in black veins, and the thing explodes. <laughs> That's what you get, you asshole, you stupid monster. <sighs> but ouch! It explodes. The flex of it falling and hitting against you guys, and then faileth you realize that. Within moments, they evaporate and break away, like how you passed through the spirit child of the child last night. Oh, it's not real. Well, I felt really badass for a moment there, but it's just a projection, guys. You gotta find the real body, like you even thought. It was real enough to stab you, though. Yep, and I blew it up. Nellian says, having transformed back into his regular self. <laughs> Yovin is fumbling outside, trying to, like, pull out a mirror, and peeks inside, and... No. Oh, you're all right, then. Or, Faileth, you're bleeding. I got stabbed. 
Alright. Is it gone? I mean, I don't... But it appears. For now, probably. It's not... Like, it's not like it's real body. It's not... It's like a... Like, it was like those kids. They, you could... So, I mean, it could reform, right. maybe, or... God, who knows? Best to leave the lights out if we're able to work in the dark, then. You can't see it when the lantern lay on it. Yes. Let's see what we can do about fixing up this shrine while it's gone. Yovan's going to carefully arrange his pocket mirror um, just at the entrance of the crack to reflect natural sunlight into the space. Just a little. Um, and then uh, he's going to crawl inside with the other three. With the apparent and immediate threat gone, looking about, you can see that this shrine has been certainly profane and desecrated by blood sacrifice of some kind. It appears that upon this altar, maybe perhaps each guard as they were taken one by one, and now the servants one by one, are being dismembered. You don't see any implements with which they're doing this, but by the way, those blades, scythe-like blades for arms cut across Faleth's back, you can't be too surprised. Give me investigation, history, religion, arcana. What checks would you guys like to do to investigate this area a bit more? Wait, can you name all the things again? Because I got, I got, uh, you said investigation, uh, arcana? I said investigation, history, religion, arcana. Um, what do you guys, like, what are, what are each of you looking for as you're looking over this place? Uh, I'm looking for tracks. I want to see, because it's got, it's got to be corporeal enough to move itself around. It must have brought itself here. And the Melian figures that if it's come from somewhere, it probably came from the body. Melian, give me a survival check, and we'll have you do some tracks around near the entrance uh, and, like, the path down. Cool, because I was minus one on all those other things you said, but this is a straight-up roll, so... Nice. Uh, 14 on that survival check. Looking here, you see these sort of strange V-shaped tracks? But you only see a few of them, and then they hit a rocky area. But you note that there's four sets of boot tracks coming up, but there's also three sets. Uh, there's three other sets of tracks. Humans, or humanoids, also wearing boots but that have come up and gone down within the past few days. We are not the only ones who have come up here recently. We're going to try rolling religion to see if I can identify the if there was any um, pattern behind how it was desecrated, whether there was like the markings of a specific rival religion or cult, um, or if it was just mindless splatter things and make a mess. If that works. Uh, so it's going to be 15 on the die, so 21. As you're going about, you do find 
three interesting symbols. Two of them are the same, and one is different. Two of the symbols are almost what appear to be partially closed eyes. As if an eye were half-lidded. And the third symbol is the same eye, is the same eye, but coiling around it is a skeletal serpent. It almost seems to be composed of spinal column pieces that have protruding bone spines or ridges coming from them. But near its head is these two sort of markings that come off of it. And that piques your memory of the cloaks that the black-robed figures that Quarry says belong to the Cult of Bliss. That their symbol is a half-lidded eye. I would uh, direct Quarry's attention to the symbol to confirm my suspicions. Um, I assume it looks like what Quarry recognizes as the symbol of the Cult of Bliss. You recognize it? You don't recognize the strange serpent symbol, though. You've Mm. never seen it before. These eyes, these are definitely symbols of the Cult of Bliss, but this thing here, this snake, whatever it is, it... That, I don't know what it is. It's, uh... Strange. That's strange. Quarry? Fela? What do you guys do? Not sure what Faileth would do. I think I'm going to investigate the uh, the area where the body was, see if there's any bits left there. Okay, so, like, what do you mean by bits? Because the body is, like, freshly killed. Didn't it disintegrate? Hmm. You mean, so, the body of the creature... All traces oh, appear the, to have disintegrated. The dead guy's still there. The dead guy's still there. Cool, I want to investigate the dead guy. Okay, go right ahead, give me an investigation check. Maybe take a foot. <laughs> oh, I should roll fewer d20s. I rolled an 80. But that's I rolled eight of them. Well, Cass, I think she knows everything. <laughs> what the hell is going on today? <laughs> I'm far too distracted by taking the foot. I don't clearly don't find anything important. You get caught up in the merits of trying to decide if you should take the left foot or the right foot. And you, as you're looking at the two feet, you notice that carved into the side of the altar is a, sort of a, a relief of the of a squirrel, a bear, and a doe. Man, I love that freaking squirrel. I'm gonna get stabbed again. At some point, maybe, probably. There's a whole campaign in front of you. I hope not. I only have two more rages today. <laughs> what is happening with my dice today? Kawari? I would like to examine the body in the altar to see if I can use my knowledge of the Cult of Bliss um, and the enemies of soul to figure out if I know what the purpose of the dismemberment or blood ritual was. Sounds good. 
Not sure what kind of a thing you think that is. Give me a religion check. Oh, good. I'm not awful at those. That is a 19. Generally, there's two different kinds of desecrations that you know. Three if you include straight-up magical desecration, which requires a considerable amount of power and really damages the land around it. What you have here, though, it almost seems more like a rededication. Oh dear. A subversion. Something that's taking this place and using blood magic. Or at least the letting of blood for a specific intent here to provide power elsewhere. Hmm. With that, though, such a situation can easily be remedied so long as the place is cleaned, put back in the way and shape it should be, and offerings are made properly. Well, I think that... It's a simple matter of cleaning the shrine and then making a proper offering to the ladies in order to fix what's happened here. But before we clean everything, Jovan, or anyone who has a better drawing skill than I, would you make a, a duplicate drawing of that snake symbol? There's something... I think it's important... It appears this shrine has been rededicated to someone or something using this blood. Perhaps the snake will give us a key if we're able to find out more. Would you be able to make the symbol glow for me? Fail. I cast prestidigitation on the thing. Uh, I'm then going to lay a piece of paper over top of it and trace it. Yovan, when you lay the piece of paper over top of it, you realize that the symbol is... It's like it's been recently redrawn with blood. Oh, I might need a new trace. I pull the paper so away. Doesn't you pull happen. the paper away and there's a bloody rendition there. But it'll be backwards. Don't forget that it'll be backwards. I mean, we just turn the paper around and hold up the light and it's right way around. I'll make a little note in the corner. This, but backwards. Depending on how fully it soaks through the paper as well. But, um, yeah. I'll make a little note. This but backwards. Um, <laughs> the corner. So what are you guys going to do? You have a temp- You have a shrine that is- You have a very bloody shrine. You have a monster that has exploded, but you know is probably going to come back. What are you going to do? Perhaps we should post some kind of guard while the others clean. If it'll get me out of cleaning duty, I will happily volunteer to guard. I do not mind the cleaning. So, Quarry will get started with the cleaning. Um, They will, I guess, remove the body outside and... There was a rocky area where 
some rocks had collapsed on into the roadway. You basically think that like a path that you could have taken a wagon down suddenly came to a part where it went up into a much more rocky area. Oh, I so see. You couldn't take a wagon up there. Right. Okay. So it's not rock fall. It's just mm-hmm. rocky. Mm-hmm. This is very important. Did I get a foot? Oh, of course you did. Did you take the left, or did you take the right, or did you take both? I think she would have ended up with the right, after much deliberation. Your mother smiles at you, and nods. Approvingly. She feels pretty pleased. So Cory will take the body outside, and then be like, Gee, what do I do with this? Is anyone going to help you? I'll help. Sure, I don't want. Bodies don't bother me. Basically. So basically all four of you are outside. Does the monster respawn? Well, you are all holding various body parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not. You make your... I'm outside. Except Melian. Melian, you're standing guard as they... As mm-hmm. you see them ferrying body parts out. Mm-hmm. When you see the... They've gotten... They've, they're still within view, but they're a little bit farther down the path. And they are... I assume... So maybe... Are you building a cairn with stones over the body? Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. From the three of you, can I have perception checks, please? Oh, awful. That's an 18. Mine is awful. It's a 7. I got a 9. Quarry, mm-hmm. you hear the creak of wood. Like a, a wagon or a cart. Huh. I... Stop what I'm doing, and I say, "Seems that there's someone coming." And then I turn in the direction of the creaky sound, and I look and see what I see. So you're a bit up, and it sounds like it's coming from the path, from like the actual wagon path through the woods and along the edge of the cliff. Hmm. You gonna go down to the edge and look? Yes, I will quietly. Okay, since you're saying you're doing it quietly, can I have a stealth check? Oh good, I'm super not good at these. That is a five. Because I have disadvantage. Otherwise it would have been a twelve. And you see... a wagon being pulled by a mule. And there are two brown-robed men sitting in it. And sitting behind them is a black-robed figure. I will move back to my friends and say it appears that the monks from the Abbey are here. I think that we should intercept them. I never say no to disguises. Okay, I'm have a good disguise. I could blow them up. Well, I would like... Oh, uh, Cass, were the brown-robed ones wearing weird crowns? They had their hoods up, so you couldn't really see the tops of their heads. Okay. I'd like us to take out the black-robed one. The brown-robed ones may not pose any danger if we can remove the crown that they likely wear upon their head. 
Okay, I'll try to only explode the black-robed one. But clearly, I've got a taste for exploding things now, so I cannot make any promises. Like the villagers, I am afraid the brown-robed monks may be victims of the cult. And perhaps we can save them as well. Or perhaps not, I don't know. How far away were they, Cass? Uh, they were about a hundred feet away at the time. We should hurry. They looked like they were moving slowly. At a sedate pace. Though they were not moving quickly, they are close. You see... Or... You hear the sound of the cart come to a creaking stop. It's still a bit back in the forest. It hasn't come to the edge of the path that allows people to walk up. What are you going to do? The cart has stopped. I think now is the time to make our move. I'll follow your lead. Do you want a distraction? Hmm... Yes. Do you think you could do... Actually, we might be able to provide a distraction and learn something. Would you be able to make an illusion of the thing we just fought coming at them? Of course. If they react in fear, then it's a separate issue we need to deal with. If they're not initially afraid, then... One has an aspect to the other. Mm-hmm. And if they're concerned... That means that it might be a tool that we can turn against them. Great idea. Hey, quick question. Can I see them? Melian, you're up near the top. You can see your companions, and you've seen that Quarry has gone down to the side of the... down to, like, the forest's edge and peaked, and then has come back up to Faelith and Jovan and has talked to them. And you've seen them standing near that cairn? You can't hear what they're saying, but they definitely seem to be talking about something. Right, so I, I just... I'm just wondering if they're going to hide and then summon an, an illusion of a thing that I think I need to fight. So it's just going to be me running out there. No! <laughs> oh, don't worry. I, I, I've... No, I, I can't make an illusion that everyone can see of a person, uh, but I can make the black robe figure see this thing as a phantasmal force. Ah. So only the black, black robe would see it. I only have minor illusion right now. So I can't make the creature for everybody to see. Okay, so what are the three of you going to do? Melian, I assume that you'll join the combat, like, the round after it starts. <laughs> probably. It sounds like, yeah. Actually, Yovan would probably make a point to, to go in, if Melian isn't nearby, to listen in, to just give him a quick rundown of what's happening, and what the plan is. Okay, so, uh, Yovan, you're going up to tell Melian that, while Faileth and Quarry are sneaking back down. I am going to cast Phantasmal Force on the Black Robe. Can you give me a stealth check? Uh, what's my stealth? I only have to be 50 feet away from this thing, so... Okay. I'm not getting that That is close. definitely a boon. I mean, 60 feet away. But you still need to be able to see it. Yes. I need to be able to see him. Mm-hmm. 14. So you definitely need to get closer than the 60 feet to be able to see him through the brush and the tree line. And you see that they've stopped... And that the black-cloaked figure is standing up on the cart, looking about. And the two brown robes have come down and are 
sort of... They seem to be looking about, but you could swear that they're not actually looking as they look. And one of them, their hood has fallen back, and you see this strange iron band that goes around their head. I'm going to cast Phantasmal Force, uh, which, if successful, will make him see uh, the creature that we just dissipated rushing to attack him. And because he will believe it so completely that it will be able to successfully attack him. Ooh. Okay. You can be killed by a phantasmal force if you believe in it enough. Can he give me a intelligent saving throw? Which he will oh. probably be very good at. I'll be sad. He is very good at it, but he in total got a 14. <gasps> the DC is 15! Nice. Yay. Okay, it's so like, he... There is a possibility this succeeds and a possibility this fails. I was fully prepared for this fail. Um, so, he sees the creature, the exact creature that we just killed, rushing at him with its creepy claws and weird hands. What direction um, is it rushing from? Uh, it is rushing from the opposite direction of where Cory and I are. Okay. And I assume that it gets to attack, it gets to attack, right? Yes. And it hurts Phantasm him because he created failed. to appear as a creature can attack the target. Each round on my turn, the Phantasm can deal 1d6 psychic damage as long as it's within 5 feet of the Phantasm. Okay, so you have it charging out of the forest at him, and it jumps to strike him. Can you roll the psychic damage? Uh, it does 5 psychic damage. But most importantly, how does this black You see react? him raise his hand towards it. And a blast of cold, frigid air and ice shoots out in that direction, showering the trees in that direction, and everything coating them in ice as he unleashes a cone of cold in that direction. And as it basically passes through the thing, you see him sort of he freezes for a moment as if very confused and with that uh, let's go to the top of initiative so for Melian up where you are as you've started to make your way down with Yovan, we'll say you've already started making your way down you hear this sort of like whomp and then there is this jet of icy, frigid, cold energy that shoots out on an angle, sort of up and out of the forest on one side. What are you going to do? But there's no sounds of battle. There's no haven't been any screaming. No, no screaming. Just that blast of cold. Melian will drop close to the ground with his shield up and his sword sort of trailing and then creep towards where the blast of cold came from. Let's say that by the end of the round you can get down to the edge of the forest and you can see that you are far, you're, you're enough of a distance that you could close it to the one of the brown robed monks uh, next round. But just 
maybe like 10 feet further would get you to the black-robed figure that has his hand off to one side. Kuari, it is your turn. Oh good, how far am I from the black-robed figure? You are also one movement away. So I will move up to it. You were beside Faelith when she cast the spell, and she was at about 30 feet because of the underbrush. Okay, so you go charging towards this black-robed figure. What do you do? Um, I will... Uh, I will say, in the name of Sol, I will not allow you to practice your wicked ways upon this these people any longer, and I will... Attempt to hit him with my halberd and hopefully do better than I did last time. Oh my word, that is a 13. Well, like Faelith, people in cloth have really low ACs. Well, thank goodness for that. I am going to, because I hit, I am going to use my Divine Smite. Okay. Um, so I will do... There's my d10. No, that, that's right. Um, okay. So that is going to be six, nope. Yes, six piercing, no, six, oh my god. Six slashing damage and uh, seven radiant damage. As your halberd cuts out and catches him, He turns and looks at you, and you see that his face is gaunt, but he's clearly human, and younger than you would have expected. And this look comes over his face, and he says, Defend me, you fools! And now before Faileth, one of the monks is going to go. He's going to jump up to strike Kawari. Is he like a martial arts monk? Or is he like a... One of the Tenorian Abbey monks is going to strike Kawari. You see him, he pulls a baton from his belt, hanging at his belt, and with sort of like glassy eyes and an almost drunken gait, starts to walk towards you and slice and s- strikes towards you. Does a 17 total hit you? Does not. And this is a strike to the back. Oh, then it definitely does not. And with that, Faileth, it's your turn as this almost as if this figure has been puppeted strikes out at Quarry, and you see the other one also start to move towards Quarry to strike. Alright. And Faileth, you are definitely within 30 feet of any of them. I've only got one second level spell left. I think I should hold on to it. But do I want to help one of my allies be better? Or see if I can't inflict some pain on that black robed bastard? Oh, we all know what I'm always going to pick. Um, Faileth, uh, runs up to the black-robed guy and says, How does it feel having your own monster turn against you? Uh, and casts Inflict Wounds just at a first level. Uh, 16 to hit. Oh, that hits. 
So that's only going to be 3d10 this time. Uh, 25 damage. Necrotic damage. Gosh, this guy looks like he has had a suddenly very bad day. Uh, the psychic wounds that were dealt to him that opened up cuts across him and the wound that uh, from Quarry's halberd into his side just open wide and gush and you see him sort of wooze a bit. Then my phantasm uh, is going to attack him again. Uh, Sorry, is this the leader or is this one of the following monks? This is the black-robed figure. Is the phantasmal figure able to do non-lethal damage? It's psychic damage. Uh, Unfortunately. So it's going to do three more psychic damage. Uh, And then I'm going to look at uh, Quarry and go, This is going great! Uh, And give her bardic inspiration. (laughs) Amazing. Following the psychic assault of Faileth's phantasmal force, the other uh, brown-robed monk is going to strike out. This one, though, is going to strike at Faileth as Faileth has gotten between uh, him and the original target of Kawari. Bring it, asshole. I'm invincible. Very much not. Doesn't 18 hit you? I mean, yeah. Remember when the part where I said was, was invincible? That was a lie to hopefully intimidate him into missing, because I'm very invincible. <laughs> Faileth, um, he, he's going to baton you on uh, on the back, uh, possibly hit you on the side of the head, and he deals eight bludgeoning damage. That's rude. Okay, Tom. But he does so, He's it's very, he's very stilted as he does. Uh, and with that, it comes to Jovan's turn. Alright. Uh, I'm gonna yell out. Um, the leader there, the one that's speaking with Quenning voice. I'd like to ask him some questions, if you can leave him alive. Um. Um. Sorry, but I'm on an exploding streak. I've noticed. Do what you can. Um, and what's pulling the cart? Just out of curiosity. A the way, donkey. Or a mule. Is he making waffles? <laughs> uh, just. And how close are they? And what From do you mean by entrance? how close are they? Uh, to the cave entrance. Oh, uh, they are a decent. Like, they have not even reached the end of the path before you have to get. Before you have to walk up, and you can't take a cart. Um, and that's a 60 feet? From where you are to them? Yep. Uh, definitely less than that. I think I said that you and Melian are at the, the same distance, and Melian is one move away from reaching uh, one of the brown, either one of the brown robed or now the black robed figure. I'm going to direct the uh, mage hand to take a knife. And cut the donkey free, if it's possible to do so. Uh, with my bonus action. And uh, then I'm going to draw a crossbow and take a shot at one of the other monks on the wagon. 
give me a perception check. Alright, so that was a 20, but it's also crooked and on the carpet, so I'll roll a proper one. Um, okay, 12. Uh, 11, after modifier. And can you give me, and then can you roll your attack? Yep. Ah, oh, that's a little better. Uh, 19. As you fix your sight on this figure, you see the... As he strikes out at... Uh, Faileth, his hood falls back, and you see a figure with blonde hair that is irregularly cut, a tall man, someone that has clearly fallen on harder times, that once were quite muscled, and no longer is. And you swear that you have your the quarrel, your crossbow. You have your sights fixed on the back of Robert Romp Taylorson. Jovan uh, freezes. Romp, is that you? In this momentary moment, as you sort of freeze, there's no response. You see the black. Uh, robed figure reaches out towards Faileth, saying a few uh, words quickly in a rather dark tongue, and you see this sort of odd shadow wreathing nimbus surround his hand. Oh! And he gets an 11 to try and hit you. Yay! He misses me! He just... He almost vampiric touched you. Ah, oh, that would have been cool. He was gonna heal, but he barely misses as you say that, and uh, Faileth gets struck, sort of knocking her a bit to the side out of his touch. Melian, you are standing beside Jovan. Jovan has his crossbow, like trained on the back of someone down in that group and has just said a name. You can see Kawari and Faileth seem to be holding their own against this black-robed figure, but that there are, there are two brown-robed monks standing on either side, sort of swinging drunkenly or as if controlled. Uh, Melian looks at uh, Yovan to confirm that he is, you know, has that flash of recognition in his eyes, confirming that that is, in fact, the case. Uh, He'll sort of just do that, you know, that tennis racket spin that you do, where you just spin it in your hand? Uh, He'll do that with his sword, but when he catches it again, it's now, if he swings it, it's the flat of his blade instead of the, instead of the, the edge. And then he'll run over and smack that guy in the back of the head with his sword. Just <laughs> wang like a tennis racket. Go right ahead and have advantage as this individual <laughs> seems to be almost slightly torn by and distracted by what I'm saying. Does a six hit him? What? 
God, Melly. So with advantage, I got a five and a six. <laughs> Can I spend my inspiration to have him re-roll? Because <laughs> that's way too cool of a moment to have just one. You were too gentle when you pulled your punch. Uh, Cass, can I spend my inspiration to have him re-roll? Because that's way too good of a setup to just flub. Yes, when another player do- character does something that really contributes to the story in a fun or interesting way, you can give up your inspiration to give that character inspiration. So, <laughs> Awesome, I'll just roll that one more time. Hey, a 16! Is a 16 hit? <laughs> yes, a 16 will hit. <laughs> uh, awesome. In which case... He takes uh, seven points of non-lethal, <laughs> of well, I guess bludgeoning damage. Non-lethal and you bludgeoning. said you said that you were going for the head, right? To try and like knock yeah. him out. Yeah. Roll me a d20. Let's see if you knock this crown off his head. Uh, a nineteen. Oh yes. As before, there's a moment of almost deja vu as possibilities open up. And you think you almost glimpse Melian's swing go wide, but instead, Melian, your blade comes along to hit the side of his head, and as it does, it catches on the end of that iron band wrapped around this monk's head and flicks it off. As it does, the monk Yovan referred to as Rom crumples to the ground, otherwise unscathed. Your blow must have knocked him clean out. The necromancer is looking about very frantic, very concerned. His soldier is dropped like a fly for him. He only has one more defender, and he is beset on all sides. Quarry, it is now your turn. Excellent. Quarry will swing with their halberd again, and that is a 24. That will hit. Uh, Now remember, this is an evil necromancer. I know, Quarry fully intends to dispatch this person. (laughs) They are (laughs) impassioned with Please describe the end of this unfortunate soul. You want me to roll the damage? Go right ahead. Apparently doesn't matter. It won't matter. Ten. He had Ten three life. Faileth, um, when Faileth had her, uh, he had six life when Faileth rolled a three last time. Are you non-lethally hitting this thing so that Yovin can question it? I mean, Allison would love to, but... Quarry. Quarry, Quarry will not suffer a necromancer to live. No, exactly. And then what do we do with him after? Anyway, uh, Quarry is just... Uh. You reverse necromancy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, taking his head off with the uh, halberd, if that is possible, and we'll say, um, in the name of soul, I will free these people from your control. There is a brief silence before there's a thud as his head lands not that far from his body. And then his body twitches, convulses, and then careens falling over the side. A bit of blood fountaining from his, from the top of his neck. And you see the brown-robed monk just 
that is still wearing the iron band just drops his baton and turns and slowly starts to shuffle and walk away. Uh, back well, down the path they came. Quarry's gonna grab them and pull the crown off their head. He collapses, unconscious. But breathing. And with two unconscious monks, a headless necromancer, a creature that you are fairly confident will reform at some point, and a shrine you still need to clean, since you've only removed the body from it. <laughs> we will end tonight's session with Jovan looking at someone that is a painful reminder of his past. Dun, dun, dun. I just want to say, this necromancer did a bang-up job. Can't even tell he's been dead for a year. Phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Roll With Adventure, where we bring you this story from our imagination to your ears. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe for future episodes, rate us where you get your podcast, and visit us at www.rollwithadventure.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can write us at dm at rollwithadventure.com. Our intro and outro music is Brave by Arcane Anthems. Thanks for the components of this episode's soundscapes. Go to zapsplat.com, Purple Planet Music, and Arcane Anthems. Full credits are in the episode description. Waterfall? Is that it's nice? <laughs> I think it's Sasha. Well, anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I lost my train of thought because suddenly there was a river in my ear. <laughs> Hello, I am Sasha, and I play Faileth, the half-elven bard. <clears throat> I'm gonna do that again without that crap in my throat. Hello, I am Sasha. Oh, one more time. I have murdered it. It is dead. Okay, sorry. Car carry on. Uh, Cass, are you dying? <coughs> no, I'm just coughing. Okay. I don't want to um, ruin your momentum here, but I hope that if you genuinely thought Cass was dying, that you wouldn't just be like, hey, are you dying? Well, I mean, Over I didn't the chat line. really think he was dying, but I kind of figured if he was actually not doing well, then he wouldn't have responded, and then I would go check on him. But uh, I didn't want to just leave him coughing to himself. Well, that sounds like a man who just came back from the dead. Yeah. <laughs> I just had this mental uh, picture of like cast collapsing on the floor, and you hearing a thump and being like, hey, you alright? Ah, whatever, I'll just keep going. Uh, so... <laughs> so, Brian, Brian, it's because you described Melian as going, like, hmm? about the official soul business that I basically, like, spat out my drink <laughs> and 
and started dying. I'm not a fan of the Church of Soul. Understandable. They can sometimes make a terribly bad impression. This time the water noises were me. I am dreading encountering the monster and listening to Cast sing creepily while we attack it. It will be very creepy. <laughs> oh, are we all back? Oh, Sasha's here. Oh, I've been here for a while. Oh. <laughs> clearly <laughs> not when was... we said clearly not when we said is the only person we're waiting for, Sasha. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've been here for a for a good while, but everyone was quiet, so I thought you weren't all back yet. Oh. <laughs> You must have, like, just come back as we all stopped like, talking. seconds after, probably. <laughs> Excellent. 